And today I want us to go to Romans chapter 8, the gospel that Paul wrote back uh, to the church at Rome. This was a church made up of Hebrew people and Gentile people. Rome was the conquering uh, group of people that uh, their conquest went all throughout the earth. They uh, pretty much most of Africa, most of Europe, they led up towards that way, and all the Middle East, they had uh, pretty much total control. And Paul's writing back to the church at the headquarters of that empire known as Rome, the group of Romans, the church at Rome. Romans chapter 8. Uh, I love this chapter in the Bible. Uh, it's a really uh, cool chapter. I love chapter 7 as well, but we're going to read Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 8 and read down through a few verses. It says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you were living according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for this group of people that have assembled here today. Lord, we just pray that you open our minds, open our hearts. Let us be receptive to what your word is saying to us. Lord, we pray for encouragement for everybody in this room. And God, we just pray for forgiveness for how we treat the planet that you gave us to live on. And Lord, help us to make better decisions, wiser decisions, and live according to your word. Let us be led by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. The video comes from a group I found on YouTube over in Singapore, I believe, uh, a country in the Far East, and it's a pretty cool little video showing the destructive nature of humankind. And I was looking for something to kind of set the tone for what we're going to speak about today, and I ran across that video and thought, wow, that'd be cool. It shows the picture of how human beings are uh, manipulative, they are destructive, and they tear down a lot more than they build up. I was hoping for a better amen than that, but I said they tear down more than they build up. Amen? It's a lot easier to demo something than it is to build something. It takes vision to build and division will tear down and it takes a special person to be someone that stands against the grain and will stand up and say no that's wrong or this is right and will declare that boldly but in this scripture that we read in Romans chapter 8 the first verse that Paul wrote there in Romans chapter 8 verse 8 he said those who are in the flesh cannot please God so I have to believe, if I believe that human beings are on a destructive path and have a destructive nature about us, that uh, if we're following along that pathway of the flesh, of corruption, it says we cannot please God. So if we're tearing things down and constantly 
leaving a wake or a, a, a destructive path behind us that we're, we're hurting, there's harmful things. And as I was thinking about this this week, that, that what kind of harmful things can be done, and as human beings, we are uh, capable of creating harm, of pain, of suffering. Amen? Or am I the only one? I think it's all of us. So in thinking that, I think we need to go back to the home to get this picture of the home and what should the home look like and what should the home be if it's a godly home. And a, a godly home wouldn't be a home that tears things down or tears each other down or looks to divide or conquer or, or manipulate or anything else, but that home would be a place of peace, of safety. Amen? So as I was thinking about this and thinking about some of the arguments men Leslie has, she always starts them all and, and all that, you know, it's always her fault. Um, I was thinking about, you know, inside the home there needs to be a, a boundary, amen, a, a place that you don't go. And uh, some of you have been around, Leslie and myself, and when we're out and we're loafing with you guys, and we just, we're just ourselves. If, if you want to hang out with us, you're just going to get us. That's just the way it is. That's the way we are. I, I don't want to put on any face before you that I, we, don't, we act the same way around you that we act around each other. It's, it's no different. And some of you see us picking and nagging and all that, and, and sometimes it may seem, people may well, man, he's pretty mean, or, or most people walk away and say, man, she treat him like that all the time? Uh, I, I don't know. But uh, there's a destructive thing about that. But we don't do it. We're just in jest. It's just a, a fun that we have, and, and that's our relationship. I love it because I love that she pours back more than I I give, you know, it's like I dish some out and then she burns me and I don't have a comeback and she's just quicker witted than I am and it's just, I love it. I love being that way. I love living that way. But there's some boundaries that Leslie set that says, you don't cross this. Here's a line in the sand, you don't cross it. And one of those things that she told me early on whenever we first got married and, and uh, we, we didn't know each other that long. I mean, she married me like a week after we met. I mean, might force me into it and all that. Well, it's maybe a little longer than that, but uh, it really wasn't about, what, seven, eight months or something, six, seven months, something like that, that we knew each other before we got married. And uh, we didn't know each other re real well, so then, you know, when when you get married and she moved in and all this, and the next thing you know, we're living together, and she's never done lived other than when she went to Louisiana, she lived with a bunch of girls, and they're all hoodlums. If you hang around with girls, you're just in all kinds of trouble. So she ends up living with me, the the picture-perfect marriage is going to happen, you know. She married, married this guy. It's pretty awesome. And next thing you know, you you hit these places where that it seems like you're butting your head or whatever, and it seems like, oh, no, I didn't expect this to happen. You know, because we're both Christians. Both love God. We love people. But here we're having these disagreements. And in some of those disagreements, you know that the the, when you disagree, the best thing to do is just get away and separate, right? That don't happen. <laughs> Seems like you get closer by, and then you start talking a little bit louder because she's talking louder. Next thing you know, it escalates. Brandon's sitting there looking like this never happens at his home. I don't know what he's doing. He's just perfect, okay? It's awesome. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, the heat of discussion starts happening. She starts yelling. I start yelling. We're back and forth and arguing. And here we're these Christian couple that's supposed to be these godly people. Our neighbors live right beside us that go to church with us, this elderly couple. Hopefully they didn't hear some of our conversations because she's hollering at me, you know, the top of her lungs. And I'm just trying to be the peacemaker. And not really. I probably yelled louder than her. But there's these lines that I didn't know. So I just, you know, in an argument, you just argue. Let's just get a divorce. She's like, ah! 
she had made up her mind her whole life she was going to live a married life and not ever divorce. That's just kind of something that she set her mind to, which is little, I guess. And here I am screaming, let's get a divorce. She told me, she said, that's a line. Don't never say that word, the D word. So in all of our arguments since, I, I got to refrain from using that word. I can say whatever I want, but I can't say divorce. Look at your neighbor and say, don't say divorce. That's just a word you can't cross. So I understand that, but she had to set that boundary for me to know because in my nature, I grew up in a perfect home. My mom and dad never fought or anything. There was no, yeah. Manneth and Bonnie <laughs> sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. No, first came love and then come marriage. Then come little Ben in a baby carriage, yeah. No, it's Howie's first. He's the wonder son. Um, so I, I, I've seen these fights. I've seen Dad leave for two or three days and not come home, and and, and Mom pack us up and take us off. And I remember living in in Grandpa's camp when we was little, where we go down there the camp where we go baptize. I, I, we stayed in that camp for a while when Mom and Dad was fighting once, and and I ain't just bringing up a relationship, but that's what I was accustomed to to seeing this fight, and you just leave or abandon or walk away. But my mom and dad's been married since 1975 or four or something there. I don't know, a long, long time ago. That's been a long time. But they overcome some of those obstacles. But they found out what the boundaries are of what you can say and what you can't say. Amen? It's okay to fight. I think that's normal. How many just likes fighting? What? Come on. I don't either. It's no fun, but it's something that happens. But the thing is, to a healthy home, set the boundaries of what's off. That, that's out of line. You've got to set those boundaries to know that. And if you want a peaceful home, you're going to have disagreements. I'm telling you right now, if anybody's not married, if you guys are not married or something, let me warn you. Aaron, it's, you're going to have disagreements. And I know you, Rick and them don't, Ruby don't have any arguments or anything, and it's just a peaceful little environment you're in. It's never, I understand, but, but there's disagreements, amen? There's disagreements that's going to happen, but you have to set the boundaries on what is off and what is allowed. So in God's kingdom, in the way that he designed us, he tells us if we're going to live according to his plan, according to his design, that there is some things that's just off limits, Amen? And our sinful nature that we take on off of Adam and Eve, if you go back to Genesis and find out that God made everything perfect and, and everything's good, that there is, he, he designed a man. And, you know, I watched this thing just recently about uh, uh, this past week of looking through YouTube, and, and I found this video of Bill Nye the Science Guy. You ever watch Bill Nye the Science Guy? He's pretty awesome. I like listening to him and stuff. But Bill Nye the Science Guy comes to the Noah's Ark, the creation museum thing down in, in Cincinnati, and it's the second day they opened it. It's the opening day, and then the next day, because the guy that started it said invited Bill Nye because they had the big heated discussion and all this. You know, remember the debate between Bill Nye and uh, uh, I can't remember the owner's name, but Ken Ham. Uh, so they had this big debate, and, and, and Ham tells him, come down when we open up, and you can come walk through the museum. So Bill Nye takes him up on it. He comes down. And they video this whole thing. It's about a half hour long on YouTube. But they walk through, and, and Bill Nye's arguing his points, and, and, and Ken Ham's arguing his points, and they're discussing things back and forth. And they're both kindly heated, but not 
fist fighting, are you? But they're not agreeing on much. Sound like most marriages, right? So, so they're not agreeing on much, and they're walking through, and 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 Ken Ham starts this uh, uh, dialogue with with Bill Nye to say, uh, "Where does human or where does uh, the living part of humanity come from?" And 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 he uses this example, and he asked Bill Nye. He says, "So, do you think because we're a living creation or, or a living being that we are kin to plants?" Bill Nye's like, "Absolutely." All living things are kin. Okay, sounds related. You know, I, I can think like that. So I'm start sitting here and I'm thinking, well, I'm, I might be agreeing with Bill Nye here. And then, then Cam Ham says this, says, uh, so you believe that this little girl standing here beside of me is kin to that banana? Yeah, yeah, they're kin. I don't know about you, but it don't make any sense. Even though Karen's shirt is yellow and she's trying to look like a banana, don't mean she's kin to a banana, right? So it starts not making any sense anymore. It's like this. Any debate's like that. You switch back and forth. It's like, oh, no, do I go here? Do I go? And then they're going back and forth. And finally, uh, Ken Ham says this, says, okay, you believe that all living things are cre created equally and anything living is connected and kin, but I don't believe that way. Ken Ham says, the reason I don't believe that way is because God, in the beginning, in Genesis, he, he created everything. He spoke everything into existence. He just breathed, and the earth became. God created. He spoke. All these animals, all these other things, and then God looks around. He says, you know what? It comes towards the end of the week when he's creating all this stuff. And Can you imagine creating every bit of this in a week? So he creates all this in a week, and, and next thing you know, he looks and he's like, I'm going to make man. I want somebody to have communion with. I want to have somebody to have a relationship with. And I'm sure God loves elephants. Amen? I'm sure he loves lions and tigers and all those things, but he, he don't have conversation with them. We don't see anywhere in Scripture other than God uses a donkey one time to talk to a prophet. He'll use what he has to use. But God has this thing with creation, and he says, I want to form, make man. So he forms him out of the dust of the ground, and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And when Ken Ham said that, I said, that's absolutely right. What differentiates us from the rest of living creation is that God breathes life into us. We are different. Does God love us more than them? I don't know. I think he loves animals, too. I don't know if heaven, I, I think there's going to be animals in heaven. The Bible says that the lion will lay down with the lamb. So hopefully our dogs are going to be there. I'd love to see Mork again. It's been a long time. I think I was 15 years old, 16 years old when Mork died, and he was my childhood friend. You know, I, I hope he's there. Hope to see him. If you've got any, if you ever had a, a dog or a cat or something that you've lost, airborne, used to come and see me when I'd go over dating Leslie. Airborne would come to the car before Leslie would. I think he liked me more than her. I don't know. He'd get up on there and stand at the window and look at me and talk to me. That's, I love animals. But our destructive nature as human beings is we don't treat animals very good. Humans treat animals in a way where we lock them in cages that God created them to roam free and to set an ecosystem that works perfectly and is balanced. I don't understand all that. But I know this, that God created them that way. Why is the lion the king of the jungle? I don't know, because God wanted it to be. Why does that little uh, 
sand hornet carry off the cicada? I don't know. It's, what the, it's just what happens. I was down camping the other day and seen one, a hornet carrying a, a bug twice as big as it, carrying it, flying. I was like, what in the world? It's crazy. But that's the way God designed it. We take those animals, lock them in cage so we can take our kids around and say, ooh, ah. Oh. Then when we mess up, as human beings, our destructive nature, and next thing you know, the kid slips down into the zoo down here two years ago in Cincinnati. Kid gets down in the cage. You just shoot the animal, save the kid. I, I, it's probably the right call. <laughs> Amen. The kid's worth more than the animal. But I feel sorry for Ombre, too. Amen. I'm on both sides of that fence. I want to be in the, I, I, I hate it that he had to die, but really, the life of the child is more important. But it's our fault that we locked them in a cage to have them there anyway. Our destructive nature destroys things. Ombre didn't deserve to die locked up in a cage. He should have been swinging from trees somewhere. But as Bill Nye's explaining, or Ken Ham's explaining this to Bill Nye, it's like, yes, there is a difference between humanity and creation. But the Bible says that creation declares the handiwork of God. Amen? When we look at planet Earth, when we look at our society, when we look at the, the way things exist, we should look with an awe, say, wow, that's God. He created the heavens and the earth. It declares His handiwork. It's, it shows the glory of God. And when we drive by a sky that's lit up and there's all these colors and it's just like, man, I've got to get a picture of that because that looks like perfection. That's God. And if we keep destroying the earth, it's not going to be that way for future generations. And I'm not going to stand up here and, and get on some rant about some scientific facts and, and declare that, you know, because Ken Ham, I think he's on the wrong side of that on the, as far as uh, man's, humanity's uh, climate change stuff. I think there's a part to it that's reality. I think we're making the world a worse place, and according to the video, it, we're going to leave a big trash hump. Amen? It's going to look like a garbage dump by the time we're done with it. Amen? I believe that to a degree. Do I think that it's totally our fault? No, there's, there is ups and downs. And, and this global warming thing, they've been preaching for years, and now it's July, and you have to wear, ha Leslie had to have a hoodie on there the day. In July. It's like, where's global warming now? I don't know. You see what I'm saying? Just use common sense. And you know the slogan that common sense isn't all that common anymore. I, I kind of tend to believe that. Amen? We should just use our life to declare the handiwork of God and not leave a destructive past behind us. Create a home, an environment where your kids can grow up and understand what godly forgiveness and grace and mercy and all the good things that the Bible declares. Make a place, create that environment where they know right from wrong. Amen? When I seen the video the first time and I looked and the guy was walking through there and he, he squashes the bug. <laughs> And then he walks on, doo -doo 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 -doo, and he comes through there, and he, he gets these two snakes sitting there. And Leslie was scared of the picture. She said she's afraid that everybody's going to think, according to the picture I put on Facebook last night, that this is going to be a snake handling church because it says, welcome, and got snakes by this guy. We're not getting any snakes out. Sorry. You get snakes out, I'm going somewhere else. I'll make another door over here. I ain't, I ain't hanging around. Now, how he's goofy enough to do it, my brother, he's, I've seen him kick with boots copperheads before and let them bite at his boot. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. That's not happening. I won't kill every snake I see. I believe they're created and they're allowed to live. 
Now, Brad's obsolete. He's going to kill everyone he sees. He's going to ain't going to make it. But those snakes, and, the, and, and I didn't know what the video was going to be the first time I watched it. It was kind of like you guys just watched it if you've never seen it before. I has anybody ever seen that video before? Uh, uh, she's back here. She's, we got some um, YouTubers here. And as he pulls those snakeskin boots on, it took me back to the sixth grade. Don't you love that when you get to go back? Amen. I went all the way back to the sixth grade, and I, I remember my first pair of snakeskin boots. Man, they was awesome. Kevin's back there smiling. He, he probably remembers them. They were so cool. and I, Just everybody, I, you know, when I walked in with them that first day of school, it's like, wow, look at Ben's boots. No, really. It's just in my mind. I had that, you know, if I get these boots, I'm going to be the coolest kid at school. We're getting ready to go back to school. We've got to pray for these kids. <laughs> We're going back to school, right? So uh, pray for the parent. If you don't have kids that's going to school, pray for the parents that's got kids that's going to school because they're, they're, they're going to have to wake up. Right, Cubby's going to have to get up, man. He's, he's been staying up till 5 in the morning watching wrestling and, and sleeping till 3 or 4 today. He ain't going to do well Wednesday. It's going to be bad. Cubby will sleep. I guarantee he'll sleep Wednesday night because the minute he gets off the bus, he'll be. <laughs> Michelle's happy because she gets to actually sleep before work then. So as, as this is happening, I, I took me back to sixth grade and he's. What was just going through your mind? You was thinking, man, he's like seeing a squirrel or something, bouncing everywhere. I think it'll tie together, maybe. So, um, hopefully. Um, as, as he took me back to the sixth grade, I had these boots in my mind. It's like, yeah, these cool boots. You know, man, I wore them. I was so proud of them. I, I strutted around. I mean, I loved them. I had no idea or didn't have any thought that some snake somewhere had to give its life so I could have a pair of cool boots. I never thought of it until that video. Other things die so I can boast. That's the human destructive nature that we just we just assume through our way through life, not understanding the consequences that it's costed others. Amen. And how many times have I brought pain and sorrow and heartache on others because of my actions that maybe I didn't even know? Maybe I didn't even realize it. Maybe I had no, no understanding that I've created pain in other people's lives. Sometimes I've created hurt and pain in other people's lives where whenever I said something, they started crying. Whenever I said something hurtful or harmful that, that I recognized instantly, man, I've created pain, created sorrow. I don't like that. I've never liked that. I've always been a, a person of empathy, somebody that feels when somebody else is crying, I'm crying. I'm a, I'm a squall bag. That's just what I am. I love crying. I think crying is good. The Bible says that God bottles up the tears, and if he's bottling them up, they must mean something to him too. Amen? Pastor Ben's a big crybaby. I love Ben that way. But as a, all this pain and sorrow that I've created, and when I get around, and, and you never know who you're going to come back in contact with. You'll get around somebody that maybe you haven't seen for years. Maybe it's even been decades since you've seen them. And then all of a sudden you come back around this person, and you know this is somebody that I really hurt. And it, it brings back that memory, memory instantaneously. Man, I hurt them. Anybody ever had that to happen? Years later. When that happens, what do you do? How do you overcome this pathway, this path of destruction that you've led up to this point? The way to overcome that is say, I'm sorry. Amen. 
Won't you turn to three people right now and look at them and just say somebody, somebody that you maybe hurt here, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your 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 child. You can look at Darren back there and just tell it. Just tell them you're sorry. Amen. I'm sorry. It's good to be sorry. Does sorry take away all the pain? No. But does it make it better? Yes. Sometimes all you need for a little boo-boo is a Band-Aid. Amen? It don't really help heal anything other than the fact that you feel like I'm better because I got a Band-Aid. That's what I'm sorry does. It creates a, I, I don't know if it's, what, uh, I don't even want to get into all that. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it creates this stuff. But as we think about that, the pain we've caused, we need to say I'm sorry. As humanity, we need the way to, to stop this destructive path we're on is begin to say we're sorry when we're sorry. To tell somebody, to let them know, I, I don't like creating pain. I don't like creating uh, feelings inside of you. I don't like your emotions being a train wreck when you're around me. Just say I'm sorry and get it over with. Karen's only one said amen. We need to get accustomed to saying I'm sorry more. Because every one of us do things that hurt other people. And I really am sorry. Let them know. Because don't just assume they know you're sorry because they probably don't. So a way to overcome this. We want to be children of God. We don't want to be like everybody else. And those in the flesh cannot please God. So I want to please God, don't you? I want to walk out of this place today as a person that is, that is uh, creating peace rather than destruction. I don't want to be like the guy in the video that's standing on top of the heap and, and walking down and sitting in my big luxurious golden chair and, and smoking my cigarette and, and sitting there and then the next thing the Martians show up. Amen. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be bad when the Martians show up because they're going to stomp on, stomp on us and make a rug out of us like we did that bear. It's just sad. I love verse 14 as we read all the way through that Romans 8 verses 8 and then we go all the way through there and Paul's describing these things that were debtors. But if you live according to the flesh, you'll, you will die. I don't want to die. Amen. I don't want to perish leaving behind a wake of destruction. I want to, I want to perish. I want to leave this world leaving behind a better place than I found it. If I'm doing that for humanity, if I'm doing that, I don't have kids, so I, I'm not leaving it behind for, for my children or my great-grandchildren or children. I'm leaving it behind for yours. Because I'm telling you right now, Ben Collier has left behind a wake of pain. And as I've seen that video and seen those boots in and, and sixth grade, and, and next thing you they know, that snake gave its life, and, and here I am going into eighth grade, and it's like, oh, no, my boots is wore out. I love my boots. I'll wear stuff like that. I'll just keep wearing the same stuff. These shoes, I, I wax them. I, I mean, I, I cut the insides out of them. They're, they don't have the sole in them anymore, but, man, they're comfortable. I'll wear shoes till they wear off the bottom of my feet. It's just, I don't know. I've always done that with shoes. Sixth grade, eighth grade coming. I need another pair of boots. Guess what? I've had this kind last time. This time I want anaconda. Yeah. They're brown and they're cool. Amen. You're all sitting there wanting anaconda boots. I know you are. You're just acting like you don't. 
cowboy boots they're awesome so I got those and, and mom and dad this time for the first pair I'd saved up chopping tobacco doing everything I could to buy these and, and, and I had them on bottom on my own so they're mine I bought them but to come in eighth grade I didn't have no money this time like mom and dad bought me a pair of boots they bought me these like $160 pair of boots anacondas that's a lot of money back then Dad was making $9 an hour putting down 450 degree blacktop working all kinds of overtime and everything else to buy me these shoes he buys them and I walk into school that first day like mm-hmm Check out my shoes. I know you're jealous. Everybody. Everybody's there like, who's that idiot in the cowboy boots? <laughs> and I'm walking around, and I got to hang around with this wrong crowd. Well, not the wrong crowd, just a different crowd. Amen? I, I've always been a person that could get along pretty much in any part of society. I'll find friends wherever I'm at. So start hanging out with these other boys and, and, and gomming around. And, and one of these boys, they have a pair of cons 400s. You guys are sitting there looking like, what in the world are they even talking about? They had pumps on the tongue. Does anybody remember the pumps? If you don't, you've missed out on life, I'm telling you right now. I, I was looking at them, and I was like, my goodness. I thought these anaconda boots were awesome. Those pumps are the epitome of shoes. So at school, one day, I was just there, and I was like, hey, buddy, how are you doing? He's like, hey, how are you doing? $160 boots, and he's wearing these wore-out Cons 400s. I said, want to trade? Yeah. And Mark McCain, little Mark McCain, anybody that knows him, he burnt me. Probably the worst trade of my life. $160 pair of boots for a wore-out pair of Cons 400s. But man, I walked home just thinking, I am going to be Michael Jordan. I was the shortest kid in my class. In ninth grade, I was four foot 11. But in my mind, when I put those cons 400 on, and Jason, as I was pumping them up, I mean, they swelled around my foot. It felt like I was walking on air. I was walking along like, yep, this is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna dunk. Four foot, probably whatever, I was four foot six by then, probably in eighth grade. Go in there, yeah, leave the floor this much. I'm six foot tall today, and I still barely can touch the net. I can't jump. I don't know if I ain't built right or what, but I can't jump. But in my mind, I had this vision that I was going to dunk a basketball because I had only cons 400s. Couldn't even get off the floor. But in my mind, I had it. And I remember wearing them home, and Mom said, where is your boots? And I'm sure my dad just sitting there, and he, he never says anything hardly to anybody. And my dad, he's just one of those kind of people, just morals, <laughs> ethics, all, all this stuff. And I can't imagine the pain that it created in his heart because everything he's ever bought, he can tell you how many hours he worked to get it. The four-wheeler that we had that somebody stole, my dad knew how many hours it took him to buy that four-wheeler. He can tell you today. He knows his combination lock from the steel mill in the 70s. He can just, his memory is just crazy. But here I'm walking home in these Cons 400s, which he thinks is probably stupid anyway. And he's invested $160 boots in them. That kind of pain, how much of that have I spread in my lifetime? I have no idea. Amen? I have no idea how much pain I've created on this planet. But the Bible tells us to redeem the time. Redeem the time. 
God sent his son Jesus to redeem us because we're a broken humanity. Amen? We are a sin-infected people that needs a Savior. And God redeems us so that we can redeem time and make things okay. Maybe I need to go tell Dad, I'm sorry. Because I bet you right now he'll remember the boots. I need to say I'm sorry more. And not that I want to bring up old heartache and I don't want to bring up old pain, but it's about bringing and redeeming those things. To bring an end to it. To say, I want a better future than my destructive past. Can anybody say amen? But the last verse in that scripture says, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If we're led by the Spirit of God, we will be the sons of God. If we're led by the Spirit, He's going to communicate with us. Because God talked to Adam and Eve. He wanted a relationship with humanity. Adam and Eve chose to took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And sure, God cast them out and put them out on earth and won't let them back in. He's got an angel of fire that won't let them in the Garden of Eden, Eden and all that. I know what Scripture teaches, that God put them out. And they, he told them, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to eat. Man won't work, you don't eat. Amen. So God did these things, but still he wants to come down and commune with man. He wants to have a conversation with you and I. He wants to speak to us and say to us, do this or do that. He wants us to create an atmosphere that brings about redemption everywhere we go. Amen? I want to leave a path of a better place. I want to leave a wake behind me that every little action that I perform is going to have a consequence in my future. To not bring pain, to not bring destruction, but to bring glory to God. Let my life be a life that is an example that God uses. You never know what's going to come back. The video of the same guy that gave the cake years ago received the cake back years later from the same individual he gave it to. And I know that's a storyline, but I believe it's a reality in our life. That the things that we do today is going to affect our tomorrow. Won't you stand? I want you, if you would, just grab your neighbor by the hand and, and take him by the hand that's there with you. I want everybody here just bow your head and close your eyes as you're holding that hand to that one that you're there with. And as you're holding that hand today, and as we've watched and listened to all this today of what God is speaking to us and telling us, that our destructive ways just because of sin he's telling us that if we choose redemption and choose the storyline of redemption where Jesus Christ came to take away from our sinful nature and give us his own today you can be a child of God you can be a person that is going to walk out of this place knowing 
that I'm going to do the things that God is leading me to do. He'll lead us beside the still waters. He'll make that place and He'll leave our path a path of peace. I want you to just, if you will, if you're ready to walk out of here today, no matter if you've been saved 30 years or if you've never been saved before, I just want you to let that person that you're standing there beside of know just by squeezing their hand a little bit. Be mindful if they're Maybe their hand's feeble. Don't squeeze too hard, but just give a little squeeze to let them know, I'm ready for a new future. I'm tired of destruction. I'm sorry for all the things I've done. The Bible says that a godly sorrow works repentance. I want everybody here to just pray this very simple prayer with me. It may be simple, but yet it's profound in that it will change our our outcomes. It will change, make a different future for us. Everybody here, just pray this prayer with me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of all my wrongdoing, of all my faults, all my failures, all my sin. I'm asking for forgiveness create a bright future help me to say I'm sorry let me give me, lead those people into my path Lord that I've hurt that I've done wrong and give me the strength and the boldness to say I'm sorry I pray all these things in Jesus name Amen Amen God is so good. And I want you to walk out of this place encouraged today to know that this week is going to be a week where God speaks to you. And I really believe that he's going to mend broken hearts in this place and throughout our week this week that he's going to bring people back into your path. He's going to give you a chance. And whenever it happens, make the effort to say, I'm sorry and mean it. He's going to make it happen this week, I promise you. There's going to be people to say, wow, only God could make that happen. I want to pray this prayer over you that the priest Aaron always prayed that Moses directed him as the Lord directed him. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We'd love to pray with you if you need special prayer this week. Whatever you do, love God, love people this week.